Thank you, Lord, for the beckoning of your spirit toward us. We love you, Jesus, and lift up your name tonight. Thank you, O Lord, for your grace. Thank you, O Lord, for your mercy. I love you and I worship you, my God. I thank you. I thank you. Father, your blessings are beyond compare. I worship you and I thank you, Lord. I lift up your name tonight. I pray that you would be glorified in this place. Let your will be wrought with us, Father. Let your plan be realized in our time here together tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you, Lord. We trust in you. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Would you just continue to wait with me on the Lord right now? Come on, talk to him where you are there. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we lift you up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship your name. You are great and greatly to be praised, Father. We worship you tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful for his spirit, the richness of his word. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated if you'd like to. Amen. Good to see all of you. Good to be back home. Thank you for your prayers, your covering. Amen. The Gibsons send their greeting from Arkansas. Said, tell them we're praying for them. So, amen. I told them I would, so there you go. I did. They're praying for you. And uh, I let them know we're praying for them. Amen. I'd like us to go to the scriptures tonight to a, a place that at first is familiar to us in the word. Book of Proverbs, chapter number three. Proverbs, chapter number three. Praise God. <laughs> Give you a second to get there. Aren't you thankful that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? You knew that, right? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's important that you know that. Not because I said it, because the word of God says it. I'm thankful for that. Proverbs chapter number three. We're going to just sort of walk through this a little bit, starting here with verse number one. Of course, the Proverbs are Proverbs, wise sayings of instruction written by Solomon. And uh, 
Let's look at what he says here. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. I want you to notice something. We're just going to keep moving here. But notice this. He doesn't say, let your head keep my commandments. He says, let your heart keep my commandments. That's really important. Because you can be obedient from your head, but not be obedient from your heart. I mean, it's good to be obedient either way. But the writer of Proverbs in speaking to us and addressing us is saying, hey, under the inspiration of the Lord is saying, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. In other words, get it beyond just your thinking. Let it get in your heart. Let it be something that's seated in your life. Let your heart do that. It's a matter of the heart. The Lord Jesus Christ made this statement. He said, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. Notice the Lord Jesus didn't say, if you're afraid of me punishing you, you'll keep my commandments. He said, if you love me, it's a matter of the heart. So let's read on. That's important as we look at the rest of these verses to understand the basis that the writer is coming to us from. Verse number two. So these are the benefits of, of keeping his commandments in his, for length of days and long life and peace. They will add to you. Those are all pretty positive benefits, aren't they? Verse three. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck and write them where? On the table of your heart. You see a pattern here with the Proverbs and the law of God and the instruction of the writer to us? It's matters of the heart. He's establishing this. The law and our obedience to the law or the word of God is in the heart. Mercy and truth, not forsaking them, not turning away from those things. It's a matter of my heart. Getting these things in my heart. And he's establishing this as he's writing to us. And what happens if mercy and truth are not forsaken and they're bound around my neck and written on my heart? Here's the benefit. Verse 4. So shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and of men. These are benefits. You like benefits? These are benefits. We're going somewhere. Stay with me. It's important that we see what the writer is establishing. There's a pattern established that he's trying to make with us. The Lord is establishing for us. Verse 5, we have more instruction. So what we're seeing, we see instruction and the benefit. Instruction and the benefit. That makes sense? But it's important. Not to belabor the point, but that the instruction gets in the heart, not just in the head. So the instruction is received into my heart. As a parent, there's been times I've asked my children to do stuff and they've done it. So they've been obedient. But I knew they weren't enjoying doing it. It wasn't in their heart to do it. You know what I'm talking about? Parents. But when I'd ask them to do something and they did it. 
I mean, they didn't have to like be jumping and shouting and say, yay, I'm doing something. But you could tell the difference when, no, they were doing it with their heart versus just their head. The writers established, and then we see the benefits. Verse number five, you're going to see this pattern again. Trust in the Lord with what? Your heart. All your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. We know this verse, right? Verse six. In all your ways. In which ways? All. All means all. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And here's the benefit. He shall direct your paths. If, if I'm walking and journeying and living for the Lord and I, I don't have direction in my life, it's probably an indicator at some way or some point that I'm not acknowledging Him in all of my ways. Why? Because I have a true promise from the Word of God that if I acknowledge Him in all of my ways, He will direct my path. It doesn't say He'll let me know my path, but He will direct it. So I can trust that He's directing my life. You can trust when I acknowledge Him and all. So we're seeing this pattern, the instruction of the word of the Lord, the tie to our heart, not our head, getting it in our spirit, and then the benefits that follow. Verse number seven. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. What happens with that instruction when I follow it? It'll be health to your navel. And morrow to thy bones. Verse 9. So now you've seen this pattern established, right? Makes sense to all of us. All right. Verse 9. Anybody want to honor the Lord? Raise your hand if you want to honor the Lord. If it's a desire of yours to honor the Lord. So we have instruction in the word of God on how to honor the Lord. Watch what he says. Following the same pattern that we've seen established in these first eight verses of Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with thy, what? Substance. Honor the Lord with thy substance. If I withhold my substance from him, is it fair to say I'm dishonoring the Lord? pattern is continuing from the writer of Proverbs. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Then he goes further. And with what? The first fruits of what? Which increase? All thine increase. When I was a child, my mom took me to this verse all the time. You know when she usually took me to this verse? I didn't get allowance. That would have been a good time. No, I didn't get allowance. Mom would take me to this verse on my birthday. True story. On my birthday, my mom would take me to this verse. Do you know why my mom would take me to this verse on my birthday? Here's why. Because on my birthday would be times when my grandfather, when I was a little kid the first five years of my life, 
my grandfather would give me a $5. He didn't give me cards or anything. He'd give me a $5 bill, right? Or my aunt and uncle that didn't live near, they would send me a $10 bill. And so on my birthday, I, I wouldn't get tons of money, but I might end up with 20 or $30 on my birthday. And so my mom, birthday was the time to go to this verse. And she'd bring me in, and I don't remember the words verbatim, but it was pretty much like this. So how much money did you get for your birthday? Well, mom, I got, you know, all right. And I knew we were going to this verse right here. I knew it. And she would say, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And she'd ask me this question that just became ingrained in me as an individual. Joey, that's what she would call me. Joey, is the birthday money you received increase? And that always stuck with me. Is it increase to what you had before? And I'd be like, well, yeah, mom. She says, then you have to honor him with the first fruits of all of your increase. And that was just taught me. And so it just became this pattern of now. What's increase? What's increase? All of thine increase. Anything that's more than what I started with when it came into my hand is increase. The scripture instructs me to honor the Lord with my and with the first fruits of that increase. Now, if he stopped there, you'd think, well, why? What's the point? But remember, there's a pattern that we've seen established here in Proverbs. We understand that there's instruction from the word of God, instruction by the inspiration of God through this wise man writing these Proverbs. And we realize that when we're obedient to the instruction, that there's benefit that follows. Right? And so let's look at the benefit. Verse number 10. If we honor the Lord with our substance and with the first fruits of all of our increase, then here's the benefit. Your barns will be filled with what? Just enough to get by. No. Not just enough to get by. Plenty. And your presses shall burst out with new wine. Notice the benefit isn't if we honor the Lord with our substance first for our increase, then he gives us enough to get by and he makes sure that our presses have enough wine. The response of the Lord when we honor him in that manner is that his return of beneficial blessing is plenty and a bursting out. It's beyond the need. This is instructive. Now, what matters here is this, the pattern that we've seen established. I've got to do it from my heart. And this is what the writer Paul was saying to us in Corinthians when he said, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He was speaking of the person that was doing it from their heart, not out of obligation. He even talks about that where they did it willfully. Because there was something that was in their heart that wanted to do that. It wasn't obedience to a letter of the law. It was a response to the word of God that they loved. And their love for the word of God in their heart 
caused them to honor God out of their substance and their increase. It's interesting when you start looking at first fruits. We don't use that word anymore. I told uh, those of you that were here a few weeks ago, we mentioned this word and kept going, but said we'd probably come back to it. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 26, is where we see first fruits established. And uh, it's pretty interesting. We won't take the time to read all of it, but you can go. We'll look at part of it here. Deuteronomy 26. There's instruction that's being given about when they're getting ready to come into the promised land that the Lord gives. And listen what the instruction is. Verse 1. It shall be when you are come into the land which the Lord God gives you for an inheritance and you possess it and you dwell therein, that you shall take of the first of all of the fruit of the earth which you bring of thy land, that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall put it in a basket, shall go to the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. You'll go to the priest that shall be in those days and say to him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God, that I am come unto the country which the Lord sware to our fathers to give us. And the priest shall take the basket out of your hand, set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. And you shall speak and say, in the next several verses, what you're going to say is you're saying all these things that the Lord brought you out of. In this passage, they're rehearsing, he brought us out of Egypt. He did this for us. He delivered us from bondage. He rescued us. You and I, we could be saying, God brought me out of sin. He covered me with his blood. He took me and made me his own when I was lost and beyond despair. That's what they're saying here through verses 5, 6, and 7, and 8. Verse 9, let's go there. And he hath brought us into this land, or this place, and given us this land, even a land that flows with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me. And you shall set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God. This was the principle, and the establishment of the principle of first fruits. You can continue to read through that passage of Scripture, and it goes on through that. It's very interesting if you look at the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 10. Most of us know the story of Nehemiah, but just in case. Nehemiah, the Lord put it in his heart to go back to something that was torn down and broken down. The city of Jerusalem. The walls were torn down. Something that had been, had eroded, been torn down, was wasted away. And God put in his heart to come in and to begin to build and make correction to that which was broken down, the walls of Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah, the Lord, gave him favor with the king as a cupbearer. He went back to Jerusalem. You can read those, the book of Nehemiah to get the whole story. He goes back to Jerusalem, he surveys the land, and he begins to work on building the walls. God gives him favor, God provides provision, and within 52 days, the walls of Jerusalem are rebuilt. After the walls of Jerusalem are rebuilt, he calls upon Ezra. Ezra comes and stands before the people of God in um, Nehemiah 7 or 8 and 9, somewhere in that area. And now that the walls are built and the people come together, Ezra takes the book of the law, opens the book, and they begin to read. And the people, when he opens the book, all stand. And he declares the word of God to the people. When he declares the word of God to the people, the people are moved by the word of God. 
In chapter 9, Ezra spends that entire chapter praying to the Lord about everything that he's just read now that the wall's been completed and he shared the word. And he prays. At the close of chapter number 9, the people say, Now we've put our hand to a seal and made a covenant. What type of covenant would they put their hand to and seal after this journey of rebuilding a wall that was broken down and after hearing the word of God that had been closed to them for some time and being convicted by the word of God and responding and Ezra praying and then being moved on by God's word. Well, here's what they put their hand to. Nehemiah chapter number 10. I can get there. Nehemiah chapter 10 starts out with all the names of all the people that put their hand on the seal or put their name uh, on the covenant, uh, the sure covenant that they wrote and then signed. The first 27 verses are the names of all the people that signed it. This wasn't just one or two. There's three or four names. We're not going to read all of them. We're not going to read any of them. Go look at it. It's in your Bible. They did this. They put their name there. Watch verse 28. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the porters, the singers, the nethanims, and all they that had separated themselves from the people of the lands unto the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, everyone having knowledge and having understanding. They claved to their brethren, their nobles, entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law which was given by Moses, the servant of God, to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his judgments and his statutes. Now look at verse number 32. This is the first thing they did when they reestablished after the building of the wall and hearing the word of God again and being moved on by the word of God. We made ordinances for us. In other words, we set some guidelines for ourselves that we were going to adhere to. To protect the wall. To make sure we maintained it. To, make, look, to charge ourselves yearly. With a, in other words, they said, we decided to exact an amount of funds from ourselves every year. This was the first thing they determined to do. What were they doing? Were they trying to set up some payment plan? Not at all. You can keep reading through this passage of Scripture and you look. We made these ordinances to charge ourselves with a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. Verse 33, for the showbread, for the continual meat offering, for the burnt offering, for the Sabbath, all the things that it was for, for the work of the house of our God. And we cast lots among the priests, the Levites, the people for the wood offering to bring it to the house of our God. After the houses of our fathers at times appointed year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as is written in the law. Verse 35. Still, these are things they establish ordinances for. And to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees year by year unto the house of the Lord. The very first thing that Nehemiah and Ezra reestablished 
after the building of the wall was to restore the principle of first fruits and returning substance and first fruits to God to honor him. Isn't that interesting to you? They understood that principle of honoring God through that. Let's look one other place here in the Old Testament, and then we're going to shift to the new. Malachi chapter 3, we, many of us know this. Again, the Lord was, it's interesting, this was a scripture that was prophetic about the Messiah coming. And he was trying to prepare the children of Israel for this. He was talking to them about their sins and turning from their sins because the Messiah was coming. If you read Malachi 3 and 1, it starts, Behold, I'll send my messenger. He's talking about John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord coming. That's the context of this passage of Scripture. And so he goes from talking about preparing the way of the Lord coming to dealing with the people about their sin and turning from their sin toward the Lord and making correction. And he begins to say things to them about their sin. And one of the things he says is, says, you've robbed God. He's trying to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah and the work of the Messiah. And he's talking about them robbing God and getting ready for the coming Messiah. See, we miss the context sometimes. And their question is, what are you talking about, Malachi? Wherein have we robbed God? Verse number 10, let's try that. Of Malachi 3. Oh, better go back to verse number 9. 8. Eight, thank you. He said, will a man rob God, but you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. They had stopped the principle of first fruits again. You see a pattern? It really was a pattern. It was a pattern where they would sort of commit to the principle of first fruits and tithes and offering. And then I would guess that maybe they were human like us. Are you human? And they said, you know what? We've heard the word of God. We want to honor the Lord with our substance, the first fruit of our increase. We believe in these principles of the word of God. We've seen the benefits in our lives. We know the land that we get. We didn't do anything to raise our hand for this. God gave this to us. The Lord orchestrated this. And so at the beginning, then they would honor the Lord with their substance. They'd honor him with the first. But then life would begin to happen and they would begin to withhold. They would begin to no longer honor God. With their substance and their increase. They would pick and choose. Rather than simply. From their heart. See it wasn't in their heart. I mean it was in their heart. Initially when the spirit of God moved upon them. But it didn't stay in their heart. And so they moved this pattern of. And so what happens if you look in the scripture. And you read through the Old Testament. You see this pattern of the blessing of the Lord and then the cursing of the Lord and then the blessing of the Lord and then they're in want and then the famine and then there's blessing and then they're what's going on. It's this pattern that they have of the principle of first fruits and tithes and offerings. They engaged in it and then they stopped. They engaged and then they stopped. They did not show faithfulness. In their substance.
Now, if the Lord would have stopped there, now watch what he says, verse number 9. Because they did this, because they ceased in their faithfulness, the Lord said, you are cursed with a curse. Now, it may be one thing if Brother Martin comes to me and says, with a heart, I'm cursing you with a curse. I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't want him to do that. I'm not encouraging that in any way, shape, or form. That would be one thing. But if God himself speaks and says, because you've robbed me, I'm cursing you with a curse. I don't want that. I'm not interested in that. Notice, he said, you're cursed with a curse. And he tells them the reason why. Because you've robbed me, even this whole nation See, he's trying to turn them back because the Messiah is coming. Verse number 10. He tells them how to. I'm not even going to say it that way. He tells them how to change or turn the curse. If you had a curse of God on you, would you be interested in knowing how to turn it back? So it's removed and it goes from curse to blessing. That's what the Lord did. Because the Lord never has a consequence for something that he doesn't tell us how to turn things again. A way of repentance and finding our way back. And that's what he's doing here. He gives them a way back. He says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. There may be meat in mine house. And he's really sort of, he sort of provoked them a little bit. He says, prove me. Prove me herewith. What does that mean? Prove me with your tithe and offering. Prove me with it. Prove me now herewith and see, saith, this is the Lord of hosts speaking, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Notice it follows that same pattern that we read in Proverbs chapter 3. Your barns filled with plenty. Your wine presses bursting forth. Here he said, when you bring it in, when you turn this around and you do what I've instructed of you in the first fruit, tithes and off, he says, what I do is I pour out a blessing that's more than you can contain. It's the promises of the word of God. If he stopped there, that'd be enough. But he goes further. Verse number 11, there's more that he does. He says, I rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. Can I get? There's none of us that have vines, I don't think. Right? Anybody got grape vines that you're worried about casting their fruit? Okay. So we can read this and go, well. That's nice, Lord. What do you do? I don't have vines. What, do you, what does that mean when you rebuke the devourer? I'll give you an example that I believe in my own life. How many of you have ever had car problems? Raise your hand if you've ever had car problems. Are those the worst? Aren't they the worst? I mean, I've, I've had car problems along the way. Once, I had to replace a transmission in a vehicle. Remember that? Once. Can I tell you? 
I drove that vehicle from the time I bought it until the time that I sold it, other than replacing that transmission, that's the only thing that ever broke down. And I put 120-something thousand miles on it, and I had bought it with over 100,000 on it. Can I tell you, my son is driving a vehicle today that has over 300,000 miles on it. And it still runs. Never broke down. My other son's driving a vehicle that's got over 225,000 miles on it. Right now, the battery went dead. A pair of jumper cables can fix that really quick. I can stand here before you, and to the best of my knowledge... I've had vehicles that have gone 200,000 miles consistently and they've not had major one transmission along the journey. What is that? How can I have confidence that the Lord's involved in that? I believe he's rebuked the devourer. The devourer will say, you know what? When the devourer comes, he says, I'll find ways to get at them. I'll cause their vehicle to break down. And then they'll say, you know, i got to find a way to pay for this. I'll rob God and pay. But the Lord will rebuke the devourer for our sakes. I want him rebuking the devourer in my life. Where the enemy would try to bring things that would rob me. The Lord will rebuke him. That's a, I think that's the benefit we overlook. You know how many hospital visits my family has made in the 23 years that we've had children in our home other than them being born? I think maybe four. And they were all goofy things except, well, they were all goofy things. One, because a child disobeyed and was playing outside after church and bit through their lip when a football hit them. They couldn't hide it. Or they hit another boy's head, that's what it was. One of them stuck a berry in their ear and we couldn't get it out. We had to go and it was a quick visit to get it popped out. Another one stuck a berry or something up their nose, I think. Is that right? Where was it? Oh. I've never put my children in a hospital overnight. Never had surgeries. Never. We've been blessed with good health. Why is that? I've just got this great immune system. I believe the Lord has rebuked the devourer for our sakes. I believe that with all of my heart. He's rebuked the devourer. You understand, the enemy doesn't want us to know this truth and this benefit of the word of God. Because some people say, with the heart, I'd want to be faithful in my finance and my substance and my increase. But this comes up and this comes up and this comes up. You know why this and this and this keep coming up? It's the devourer. And guess what? It's going to keep coming up if I continue robbing God. Haggai said it this way. He said, you keep getting, you keep getting, you keep getting. But there's never enough. There's never enough. There's never enough. Why? He said, you're putting your money in bags with holes in them. It's like it goes in, but there's holes. What is that? That's the devourer that's robbing. How do I close that? I'm obedient and faithful to the word of God. And God says, I'll turn that cursing that 
Notice, the enemy didn't curse me. God cursed me. And so he turns that, and then he turns on the devourer and rebukes them. It's a double benefit. The blessing of God and the rebuking of the devourer. That's why there's plenty. Some would say, with a heart, I, I would be faithful in my finance, but I just barely make ends meet. I respect the statement. However, the word of God is true. The word of God is true. And an elementary principle of trusting God is faithful in my finance. What am I doing? I'm saying, Lord, I trust by faith that you will bless the 90% when I first return to you the 10. Now. If we go back to Proverbs 3 and I'm leaning on my own understanding. My own understanding says 100% is more than 90. That's human understanding. I can tell you again and again and again. 90% goes much further than 100. I know it to be true. I know it to be true. If you got time, get with me. I'll tell you all the stories you want to know. I can give you hundreds and hundreds of examples. He is faithful. His word is true. I mean, the Lord is really wanting to bless some. Now, I'm not a prosperity doctrine person, but I believe the word of God. And you're wanting to see your financial situation change. And you wonder why no matter what you do, it doesn't. I can tell you why it doesn't change. If you're doing all you know to do, but you're not doing what the word of God says in relationship to your finance, it won't change. Not for the better. It can't. If it did, God would be violating his word. I feel like I need to be this specific for somebody. If you're tired of struggling, take the word of God to heart and just trust him. Do you hear what the Lord is saying? Prove me. Prove me. Prove me. What are first fruits? They're just that. They're the first. Now, you can read it. We won't turn there for sake of time. Um, well, I'm there. Couldn't do that again if I tried. Luke chapter number 6 in verse 38, Jesus Christ was speaking. He made this statement. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. How's it going to be given to me? The Lord's going to give me the winning lottery ticket. No, <laughs> doesn't work that way. I've been seeing a lot of news about the lottery lately. Listen to what he said. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. How's it going to be given unto you when you give? With a good measure, that means a fair good measure, not just skimpily or barely or just getting you by. With good measure, not only good measure, it's going to be pressed down, shaken together and running over. 
You've heard me tell the story about filling my cereal bowl when I was a kid, right? My mom said I could only have one bowl of cereal when I was a teenager because so I got this big butter bowl and I would pour cereal in it full then I would shake it and I would press it down and I'd put more and I'd shake it. I'd get as much. So then when I'd put milk in, what would happen? It would run over the cereal. That, I always think of that with the scripture right here. Because that, this is what the Lord, Jesus said this. These are his words. If you give, it's going to be given to you. But this is how it's going to be given. A good measure, pressed down. Over. Who's going to give to you? Other men. See what the scripture says? When we give, men shall give into your bosom. Men are going to do that. I've given away a few cars in my life. I've had cars given to me. You know what? No matter what cars I give away, I always seem to have one nicer given to me. What's going on? You understand? I'm not trying to brag about giving away a car or getting a car. The point... Did God cause a car to just drop in my driveway? No, men gave. They didn't even realize they were participating in God's plan, probably. Some of them, I know, if they knew that, they probably wouldn't have participated. But the Lord did that through men. How does that happen? I don't know. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And so you and I can stand on it. Let me say this. I'm aware of the time. In your home. Just be practical here for a second, okay? In your home. It's not uncommon, especially if it's couples in a home. That one or the other takes care of the finances in the home. That's true in my home. Um, I, through the, my wife is kind of sort of aware as much, probably more than she wants to be aware. It's because I make her be aware. Um, but that's the case in most homes. Some people, one or the other takes care of it. There's no, whatever works in your home, that's great. But I'll say this. If my wife was the one in our home that took care of the finances... I'm going to be checking with her and saying, hey, I know we got paid today. You've already taken out the first fruits, right? You say, don't you trust your wife? Sure do. What is that? That's mutual accountability that says, I want to make sure that the first fruits are happening. Why would I be checking on that? If, because I'm the head of the home. And if my wife is sitting here staring at a stack of bills and she's not hearing from her head, say, look, I know there's a stack of bills there, but we're taking care of the first fruits first. Then I'm putting undue pressure and accountability on her. And I have a responsibility to come to her aid as her husband and be the head of my home and say, look, we got paid today. Have we taken care of the first fruits? Is that all right? Talking about the Lord blessing your life. This is important. This is important in the kingdom. Amen. Why don't you stand with me tonight?
There are many, many principles in the word of God. This principle is woven throughout. And it will dramatically change your life. Can I tell you a trap of the enemy that he'll like to use? You'll hear the word of God and you'll go, no, I want that in my heart and I want to respond from my heart. I'm going to do that. But if it's not truly in my heart, I'll go, you know, I've done that for a month and I haven't seen anything different. I just can't keep going. Trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. I am. Um, If I, if I see something happen in my finances that doesn't make sense to me, where I feel like, hold on, what's going on? That, I know what the Word of God says, and this doesn't fit. I want to talk to the Lord about it and go, okay, Lord, if this is just something where you're seeing, if I still trust you, okay. But there's times where I've had something happen, I'm going, hold on, something's wrong. Something's wrong. What's going on? I'll give you a very real example. Uh I had a situation, and so I thought, what is going on? I'd just done all my taxes, taking care of all that. I was like, Lord, did I miss something here? I felt like the Lord was checking me about some stuff, and I had something go on financially I did not understand. And I thought, that violates what God has promised he would do. It was a gentle way that the Lord got my attention where I went back and looked. I had had increase coming to my life through an avenue that I had, just the way it had came in, I had sort of just missed it there. And I hadn't honored God with it yet. He brought my attention to it. I said, I want to know those things. I want him to make me aware of those things. Don't you? All my increase. Here's what I've learned. It's all his anyway. It's all his. And when I trust that, then he says, I can open the windows of heaven because I've got everything at my disposal. He's God. I drive a vehicle today that I don't pay for. When I put gas in it, somebody else pays for the gas. It has insurance on it, but I don't pay the insurance. When it gets dirty and needs to be washed, I go have it washed. And somebody else pays for washing it. When it needs maintenance, I take it to the dealer. I don't go to just the cheapest mechanic. I go to the dealer for routine maintenance. Pull it in, say, take care of this. They go, yep, this is due. They take care of it. They do the routine maintenance. I don't pay for it. Somebody else does. Do I own the vehicle? Nope. Is it mine? Nope. Guess who uses it 24-7? I do. He owns it all. He owns it all. Whatever your need is, he can meet it. It's not bigger than him. But let this principle get rooted in our heart. Can we talk to the Lord right now about the principle of his word that never fails? The principle of his word that never fails. Some of you came here tonight going, I, I need answers for my situation. And the Lord, through this, has given you answers to your situation.
He can turn the tables in a moment when we honor his word. When we honor his word. Father, I want to honor your word. Father, I don't understand how it works, but it does because it is the principle of your word. I stand in faith. I pray let it be in our heart that these benefits, Father, would be turned according to your will in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that we would come cheerfully honoring you, Lord, honoring you. In the name of Jesus Christ, praise God. Everybody said amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Love you.